Hello and welcome to the Center for Rural Health Research podcast. I'm your host, Nicholas Lloyd Cusick. Meaningful engagement with the patients who live in rural and remote communities across BC has been a central value of the Center for Rural Health Research from the start. And the best research, we believe, and any policy changes that come out of it have to be grounded in real patient experiences. And so this episode of our new podcast mini-series exploring meaningful patient engagement with rural health issues across BC. Today, we'll be joined by two of our very own analysts here at the CRHR, Galav Gay and Ava Sullivan, who are going to give us a rundown of a very interesting project seeking to gather rural patient experiences that they've been working on for the past several months. And Gal and Ava are both part of the Rural Surgical and Obstetrical Networks Project, or RSON, at the Center for Rural Health Research. Just a bit of background, over the past 30 years, uh, many small volumes, surgical and obstetrical services have been closing down all across BC, in, in part due to the regionalization of healthcare. And over the years at the RSO and team, and also at the Center for Rural Health Research more broadly, we've heard from patients across the province about the challenges of having to travel outside of their home communities to receive the health care that they need, and often for extended periods of time and over repeated visits too. And so to respond to this, the RSON team decided to ask rural patients about their experiences with the view to collect and analyze the data and make policy recommendations to the government on how to reduce this burden. So in a nutshell, the RSON team has developed a survey that's been answered by nearly 400 people, I think at this point, across rural and remote communities in BC, all responding to the same basic question, how much money have you spent out of pocket to access the healthcare that you need? They assess this in many different ways and ask several a series of questions. I'll let them get into the details of it. They refer to it in shorthand as the out-of-pocket cost survey. So, Ava and Gal, welcome to the program, and thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks, Nick. So, I wonder if the two of you can get us started uh, by giving us a bit of a rundown on how the survey was designed and, and what kind of information you asked for. Sure. So, I, I think you alluded to this a little bit in your introduction, Nick, but... Um, the idea for the survey really came out of several years of work at the Center for Rural Health Research. So specifically, Jude and Stefan have done extensive research in rural and remote communities across BC, and they heard from patient voices that traveling for care is a major concern um, across a number of different fronts. So both the kind of um, psychological and emotional challenges of having to travel to receive healthcare, as well as the financial costs. We used research over the last few years as a starting point to come up with the different thematic areas of the survey. Then we recruited four patient partners from across BC to work with us. And we wanted to hear their input on whether they thought that the questions we were asking are appropriate and they cover the types of costs that rural residents actually experience. So it was a little bit of process of going back and forth between the researchers and our patient partners and coming up with questions that we thought really captured the kind of totality of how much rural residents have to pay in order to access healthcare. And initially, when we opened up the survey, we were just asking participants to enter costs related to surgical care. But we heard from patient voices fairly quickly after releasing the survey that they wanted to include their costs for accessing any type of healthcare. And I think um, that just speaks to the reality that when you are a rural resident, you often have to leave your home community for anything acute or chronic um, and anything in between. And so we really heard these concerns as a research team, and we decided to open up the survey more broadly. Mm -hmm. And so what kind of questions did you ask people? I know you, you broadened it. 
Uh, but just give us a bit of a flavor of the type of questions. Yeah, there was quite a number of questions, and they ranged from detailing specifics about different kinds of spending, from you know travel spending to accommodation spending to other healthcare spending, mm-hmm. and within that, you know, categories about gas versus vehicle versus flight and all that stuff. But also, more mm-hmm. importantly, a lot of uh, qualitative questions about patients' personal experiences. And a lot of questions about patient stress, which, Mm -hmm. you know, were really interesting to look at in comparison with all the financial spending and and travel related questions. Mm -hmm. So even the psychological and emotional costs of having to travel, this burden of traveling for care. Now, I actually alluded to something else I wanted to ask you. So I know that the two of you have kind of slightly different backgrounds. Ava, you have more of a qualitative analysis background and and Gal, more into the statistics and, and numerical side of things. Could you tell me kind of a high level how you, how the two of you worked through all this data and generated insights? So the survey was an observational study, which means that it's not a random sampling of the population. So the results extend mostly to the survey respondents. However, there were quite a few and what they, the stories that they told were very impactful and the information that we gathered from them uh, was very informative and did confirm what we already know about out-of-pocket spending and patient stress in um, in a rural setting. The analysis that I do is pretty straightforward, mostly just looking at the averages, medians, and ranges for different answers. So what is the average number of kilometers traveled for different communities, for different health authorities? What is the average amount of out-of-pocket spending for different categories? Um, but also a big part of that is learning how to understand and interpret those numbers while not uh, ignoring the anomalies. So not letting the majority kind of drown out the minority voices. And a big part of that is taking Ava's qualitative analysis into consideration Mm -hmm. and maybe highlighting specific cases. Yeah, so I think from a qualitative side, it's interesting because we definitely wanted to capture as much as possible from survey participants. So we kept the questions fairly open-ended. I think there were three different kind of qualitative-focused questions asking about if patients felt that traveling for care affected their overall mental well-being, and then basically just like is there anything else you want us to know? So we we really got a range of different answers from people. And, and some people were very brief. And some people kind of took that space to be as extensive as possible. And I think that just goes back to the point that this is such a big concern for so many rural residents. And they don't feel that they have necessarily appropriate channels or opportunities to share these stories so often. So they really took this survey as an opportunity mm-hmm to um, tell us as much as possible. Um, So from my vantage point, I I kind of went through all of the comments and I looked for themes within the different responses. So in qualitative research, we call this thematic analysis, basically. Looking for different themes within the narratives. And we came up with kind of five intertwined themes, challenges with transportation, the psychosocial impact of travel, the physical impact of travel, and then the ways in which all of these things come together to either diminish or delay people's care-seeking abilities. And finally, there were quite a number of comments related to system-level financial support. So either comments around feeling that what's currently in place is inadequate or even recommendations, things that people would like to Mm -hmm. see moving forward. 
Mm-hmm. And I mean, both of you actually touched on something uh, I wanted to lead into next. I'm very curious to hear about what the common kind of main take home themes were, but also were there things that surprised you in the analysis? Like Gal, you just mentioned, there might have been some cases that were pretty telling, pretty stark, and maybe a little bit unusual, but still very important to address in terms of developing maybe policy or just taking this information and, and giving it to people to help make better decisions in terms of planning health services and things. So I wonder if you could just tell us kind of an overview of the main take home lessons. Like I just mentioned, people wanted us to hear that having to travel for care is really stressful. And some of the main causes of stress are having to leave your social support behind if they're not able to accompany you with traveling, having to come up with different types of accommodation for families with young kids or elderly parents. You know, people have all types of obligations in their day to day life. And if you have to take off, five, six, seven days and travel eight hours is really going to be disruptive. And I think something that really stood out to me is um, people with chronic or long-term health problems experience these Mm -hmm. disruptions to their day-to-day life all the time over years and years. And I think what stood out to me is kind of the Mm -hmm. accumulation of stress and financial costs over a long period of time really just made me understand that accessing healthcare services for rural residents is a question of health equity because Mm -hmm. a lot of people who live in the city or in semi-urban areas just don't have to face those same barriers to access healthcare. Something that really surprised me is hearing comments from people who had to sleep in their tents or sleep in their cars because they were allergic to laundry detergent that hotels generally Mm. use, or they have very specific dietary restrictions. People already have an ongoing health issue. They have to spend money to take a ferry or to take an airplane or you know spend money on their gas. And then on top of all of that, they really have added stress and the added consideration of how to take care of themselves when they're away from home and away from their usual routines. Mm-hmm. And those are things that you know most people would never think about or consider or even plan for unless it's happened to them. All the more reason that you know this kind of research is so important to tell these stories and to share um, what people have gone through and maybe to help people who are you know have to go through it right now and also maybe in the future deal with it a little bit better. I'm wondering also from like the quantitative side, Gal, I mean, I've, I've heard that there are some interesting, uh, you know, you, you collected a lot of quantitative data around, you know, dollars spent, miles traveled, that kind of thing. Totally. Um, what were the kind of main interesting trends uh, or even also some surprising things you saw in the data? Yeah, so I would echo most of what Ava said as well. I was not super surprised by how much what we saw was what we expected. Um, average of $674 on total accommodation costs, average of $777 on total transport costs. And this is per condition. So a lot of people take multiple trips. Some interesting questions uh, were, you know, do you think that traveling to seek care negatively affected your health? And 59% of respondents said that it did. And then 78% of respondents reported difficulty in paying for the costs associated with accessing care outside of their communities. Some other really interesting points that we should mention concern financial assistance. So only 14% of respondents reported receiving financial assistance from an organization. And a lot of financial assistance seems to come in the form of tax exemptions, which makes it difficult for lower income people to access because they would likely not have to pay Mm. those taxes in the first place. But mostly, yeah, it's just reaffirming the what we know about 
out-of-pocket spending among rural health patients Mm -hmm. and how, yeah, there is a need for a a network so that patients can travel to a closer facility if it's possible. And certainly for people who... um maybe have a little bit less money. You know, a lot of these financial assistances are going to be, you know, relatively time delayed from when you actually have to spend the money to get the care. And the nature, of course, of healthcare is that it often can't wait or shouldn't wait at least. And so there's quite a quite a conundrum. And I think one of the interesting findings as you were kind of going through some of your quantitative insights, for me was was it about fifty nine or sixty percent of people said that traveling for care negatively impacted their health. And uh, to me, that's just a, a really stark and powerful summary in so many ways, not just financial health, but overall health, physical health as well, and mental health. Um, just accessing care from rural places can be extraordinarily stressful and, and, and challenging. Yeah, so there's one more point. We did look at reported stress of patients, and we were interested in seeing what contributed most to patient stress. And as you'd expect, higher out-of-pocket spending for travel and accommodation and whatnot did contribute uh, among survey respondents to their reported stress. But also, higher-income respondents were less likely to experience higher level of stress. The higher your income, the less likely you were to experience stress related to mm-hmm. seeking care for your condition. Yeah. One other question that our listeners might be interested in hearing about is whether or not you noticed people's experiences differing based on where they were living in BC or any other factors like that. Yeah. So I think survey responses really spoke to how huge and geographically and socioeconomically diverse our province of British Columbia is. So we did get different responses based on people's geographic location and of course on their demographic as well. So, for example, in terms of maternity services specifically, a couple of respondents from Bella Bella and Bella Coola, um, so the the coastal health region, spoke about how they have no local access to maternity services at all. So anytime there is a birthing mother in the community, they actually have to fly out on a plane to receive care, which is so crazy. It, It really... Um, impacts people's lives and decisions in a really serious way. You know, are you going to have kids? How many kids are you going to have? And what's going to happen if, you know, you can't care for your kids in your community where probably your family has lived for, you know, a long time and and you have deep-rooted family support there. So that was really interesting to hear about. Also, in terms of geographical challenges, we heard a lot from people who live on waterbound communities. So speaking mostly to kind of the Gulf Islands and the Discovery Islands, some of these smaller communities off of Vancouver Island, patients often have to spend a lot more money traveling to receive care because they have to pay for ferry costs, often multiple ferry costs. And if the ferry from their small community only runs once a day, then they're going to have to leave their community longer to receive care. And something that I found really interesting and I guess was surprised by is that there is no way to get priority booking on a ferry if you have a health appointment. So in the summertime, especially patients found it really challenging to travel off island because all of the ferries get filled up with tourists and other kind of recreational travelers. And they patients who actually need to seek medical care off island have to wait for 
hours in the same lines and often get turned away at the last minute. So we really heard that frustration in terms of a, a geographic barrier for traveling for care. And then just one more thing that I'll say is that a lot of, of our respondents were actually kind of more elderly patients. And so elderly patients or their family members who might have filled out the survey for us spoke about the specific limitations that they had in traveling. So they often had to have have to pay for a, a family member or a friend to travel with them because they maybe had problems with their vision or they had problems with their mobility. So that added on to the stress quite significantly. Um, and then in terms of kind of bigger barriers, we heard from some of these older rural residents that they were moving out of their small communities because they found that as they got older and had more health conditions that required care, their rural community was no longer the right fit for them. So just kind of sad, of course, to hear that for either birthing moms or for older rural residents, they had to make really difficult decisions about leaving their community where, like I said before, they have all of their social support and um, maybe decades of family history because they weren't able to receive the care they needed there. Yeah. Wow. So, I mean, the, the two of you have described a, a very rich body of information about the, the barriers and challenges and the experiences of people accessing care across BC. It's almost overwhelming to think of the various discrete challenges people are, are coming into in accessing care. And I'm wondering, what are you going to do with this information you have now? I mean, what are the next steps? Uh, yeah. So we have drafted a community-facing report of our preliminary findings. And I guess the next steps are to feedback these draft findings to our rural citizen patient partners, as well as other rural stakeholders. And the point of, I guess, sharing our findings is to say, hey, we listened to what you have to say. And, you know, we've taken all of your individual experiences and kind of categorized it into themes um, and to main takeaways that we think are really important to bring forward to policymakers. So we want to, of course, get rural residents um, feedback on that to see if there's any gaps in our findings that they think are really important or to hear from them which findings are most central, what findings resonate the most with their community's own experiences. And then after that, we're, we will be taking it to a provincial level and drafting something like a policy report and other types of knowledge translation documents to share with policymakers, um, and hopefully coming up with some good some good policy recommendations. So just to speak to that, right now I'm working on the RSON, so Rural Surgical and Obstetrical Network Evaluation, and part of that is the cost-benefit analysis. So understanding how much money we're saving for rural patients by connecting them to uh, more local physicians rather than requiring them to travel all the way down to Vancouver. Understanding how much money we're saving for, for rural BC residents is a big part. So that's another thing in addition to policy and the community-facing report. And then I think also because there haven't been any surveys like this one done in the past, to detail out-of-pocket costs of rural patients, we think that it would be a good idea to publish something peer-reviewed so that we can spread our findings to the to the rest of the world and other public health researchers who are interested. Mm -hmm. 
really a fascinating and important piece of work the two of you have been working on. Good luck with all the next steps and taking it forward. Um, there's so much more work to do, but I feel pretty confident that the right people are doing it. So on that note, I think it's a great place to wrap up today's episode. Ava and Gal, thank you so much for sharing what you've been working on with me and our listeners today. We really appreciate it. Now for you, the listeners out there, uh, this recording as well as past and future episodes can be found on the Center for Rural Health Research website at crhr.med.ubc.ca or if you're like me, just type crhr at ubc into Google and we'll pop up. Uh, you can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify if you search for CRHR. And as always, thanks for listening and take care.